Welcome back, everybody, to another edition, it's been a minute, of the Green Room Podcast uh, for the Detroit News, all things Michigan State. Obviously, the football season is on the horizon. I'm Tony Paul, joined by my colleague, Matt Charbonneau, the beat writer for Michigan State. Uh, Season starts Friday night, 7 o'clock, Spartan Stadium, Central Michigan. No alcohol yet. Uh, Not yet. It's coming. (laughs) Uh, it'll be, uh, yeah. Um, wow. right under the lights, uh, season opener, um, big season coming up in Michigan state. I think on a lot of levels, Matt, um, last year was obviously a disaster. Uh, there are a lot of question marks coming into this season. Um, just generally, I mean, you've been around the, the summer and, and, and early fall practices or I guess late summer practices, um, What's going on with this team, and what what are the big questions, and when are we going to get some answers? Well, uh, those are all great questions, Tony. Thank you. Thank Um, you. Thank you. Thank you very little. Yeah. And if anyone has really noticed or followed during Mel Tucker's tenure, it would be his wish that nobody knows anything about his team. In fact, um, apparently they're going to decide the starting quarterback by who gets out on the field first. Now I'm joking. Um, obviously, but the point is, uh, there's very little information coming out and it's kind of odd. Obviously we know what, what went down last season, but you know, there was so much buzz going into last year after 11 wins. And now it's a, it's this weird feeling like, I don't know if I've, this will be my 14th season opener going to, and I don't know if there's been less, I don't know, like there's, it's not really an anticipation. It, I feel like Michigan state fans are almost like, man, I have no idea what to expect. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they want to be optimistic because most fans are. But then you look at the reality of you, you're starting a brand-new quarterback, whether you liked Peyton Thorne or not. You are starting a brand-new quarterback. You lost your top receiver. You you aren't sure who's going to really run the ball because nobody has from this team. It, there's just so many question marks that the secondary essentially the same of a bad pass defense. I, I, there. It just feels like this this giant cloud of nobody really knows what we're about to see. And you feel like they should be better, but then you sit there and say, well, why? Um, the schedule's tough. There's it, it, there's a lot of things to wonder about with this team. Friday night will start to give us some ideas, but I really think there's a lot of things, especially the quarterback thing, that are probably going to go beyond the first week. Um, I really think Noah Kim and Kate Hauser are both going to play Friday. But but beyond the quarterback position, even I think you're going to see a lot of other spots kind of evolve as the season goes. Whether that's running back, who who the other receivers are behind Trey Mosley, um, the guys they brought in on the defensive front, are they really difference makers? There's a lot of stuff that's going to play out over a few weeks here. Um, obviously, Friday would be the first chance to get any real idea, but it, it's just a, it's just an odd feeling to me. It just so much uncertainty with this team. It doesn't feel like what we're used to. It feels like you're either expecting big things or um, you're, you're pessimistic. It's just it's just odd this in between right now, and I don't think people really know what to expect. I get the general impression from fans and social media and all that stuff and sports talk radio, which I wish I could quit, but I'm addicted. <laughs> um, but I get the impression from all these you know outlets. That people just expect them to be better because they were so bad last year. And uh, I don't know that it really works that way. Because, yeah. again, you don't know who the quarterback is. But take that away. 
I mean, regardless of who your quarterback is, you don't know who's going to, like you said, who's going to run the ball. You don't know who are going to be the secondary receiver targets. Uh, you don't know if they can play defense. Uh, just because they were five and seven a year ago and terrible doesn't mean that they're just going to, oh, well, they're going to get better. I don't think it works that way. No, I, I agree with you. And I, and the the interesting thing is when they were five and seven last year, I got to the end of the season and I said, I don't think this is a, this isn't a five and seven team. Like I thought they were better than five and seven, but. Well, they were, you saw, they could have been six and six. Yeah. Six and six or even seven and five. You saw mistakes they made in games, whether it was, it wasn't always players. I mean, Mel Tucker's game management is still a massive question mark for this team. I mean, it, the players overcame it in the win over Illinois, the, the loss to Indiana. I mean, they made plenty of mistakes on the field, but that's as much on Mel Tucker late in that game as anybody. So, you know, you felt like it was a better team than the record showed. Um, so, so you sit there and think, okay, they have to be better this year, right? But then you mention all the things that make you wonder, are they are they really going to be that much better? I I know the whole quarterback. and people. Peyton Thorne got dumped on a lot last year. A lot of it, in my opinion, was unfairly. Um but whether you believed he was the problem or not, you are now going into a season with a quarterback who essentially has no experience. I know Noah Kim has thrown, what, 19 passes and played in four games last year. But that's still you're still essentially, whether it's he or Kate and Hauser, you're in a, a first-time starter. And guess what? They're going to they're gonna screw stuff up. You know, first-year starting quarterbacks mess things up. Your hope is it's not oh. – <laughs> that, that was a game for you, yeah. but that's that's the reality. He doesn't have Keon Coleman to throw to. Yeah, I mean, Trey Mosley's a reliable guy, and that's great, but he's not a game breaker. You know, when when you go in hoping, you're hoping that receivers like Montori Foster or the young guys like Antonio Gates or Jerron Glover, or Terrell Hunter, you're hoping they take that step and live up to the expectation. You're hoping the running backs you brought in, Nathan Carter, Jaron Mangum perhaps Jalen Berger, now a second year in the program. You're, you're hoping those guys all take that step. But that that's you're, you can't count on it. You know what I mean? If that all works out, then, yeah, now you've got an offense that now looks a little bit better. You know, maybe the offensive line has a little more depth. Those are all things you're hoping to happen, but none of them are guarantees. Um, and there's just as good a chance you're in the same position you were a year ago. Um so that's that's why I think there's this apprehension and and there's no there's no like solid feeling that yes absolutely all those questions are going to be answered. You would feel a lot better with an experienced quarterback with a guy like Keon Coleman that defenses have to scheme for. Like you sit there say and say right now who who is a defense scheming for at Michigan State? I don't know who it is. Maybe we find out in a couple of weeks it turns out to be Nathan Carter or one of those young receivers. I don't know or Malik Carr as a tight end finally becomes that difference making guy. There's just so many, so many uncertainties to where you're you're Michigan State fan. You're like, man, if all these things work out the way we want, this could be a really good year. But you kind of play the odds and say, eh, I don't know if all of them are. So where does that put you? I don't know. It's it's I know a lot of the focus right now is on offense, but there are just so many question marks. Um and you don't really get to see scrimmages or practice all that much. So you kind of guess until you get to see him play the first time and We'll see. It's interesting because Central Michigan is a, you know, a team that was four and eight last year, and they're probably saying, "I don't think we were a four and eight team." They were probably mm-hmm. better than that. And they also have. I'll throw a little of my, my Mac knowledge out there, but yeah, <laughs> they also are going to probably play two quarterbacks. Yeah, on, uh, on Friday, uh, they've also got some 
big time transfers coming in. Um, but they also lost obviously Lou Nichols. Um, I don't expect this to be one of those central Michigan upsets. I think the last one was what, 2009, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. They've beaten them three times over the years, but I don't expect that to be the case. But then again, you know, it might be, I mean, you know, because we don't know much about Michigan State. Well, let's, let's, let's hit on the quarterbacks just a little bit more because everyone loves the quarterback story. But do you have a sense of which way this is going to go? I, I really think you're going to see both Noah Kim and I, I know, I know we'll I know we'll see him. On, I know we'll see him both. Right? Yeah. I'll probably see him both against Richmond. Uh, but after that, yeah, it's tough to say. Like, I'm wondering if. If the if we see something like Michigan did last year, where you know Hauser or you know, Noah Kim starts the first game and Hauser the second, I, I don't know if they'll go that route. Um, definitely think you'll both you'll see them both. The, the the interesting thing that I've always wondered about, and it always feels like, is this is Mel Tucker's chance to play his guy. It's been clear since he got here that he's wanted to play his guy, right? I mean, he brought in Anthony Russo to win the job over Peyton Thorne until Peyton Thorne was better. Right after last year, yeah, Peyton Thorne's numbers weren't as good, but he didn't have Kenneth Walker back there anymore. And he announces right after the season that it's an open competition again. Like, I'm not shocked really at all that Peyton Thorne transferred. You know, you do the things he's done and you keep getting told you're not the guy, basically. To me, it's Mel Tucker wants his guy. This is his chance to get his guy. That said, if Noah Kim is clearly better in practice, Mel Tucker is also not a dummy. He's going to play the best guy. Whether that's been determined in practice or not, I don't know. Coming out of spring, I really thought Noah Kim was better. And stuff we saw, he was better. You talk through preseason camp. You hear things like Malik Carr said, Kaiten Hauser is more accurate. But Noah Kim is more comfortable, has more command of the offense. So what direction do you go there? That's why I feel like it's still really a toss-up. And I think we're going to have to see at least a game or two of live action to really get a handle on who's who's the better option and who Mel Tucker will feel more comfortable with. So I, it's, it's a kind of a cop-out, not picking a guy, but I really think that's the spot we're in right now, that they're both they're both close. They're both bringing certain things to the table. And I, I think if it when it comes down to it, if it's still a coin flip, I, I'm not surprised if Mel finally says, I'm going with my guy, Kate Howes, the guy we recruited. Because Noah Kim was part of that last D'Antonio class. Um, and I just... It, it's been clear to me for a while Mel wants his guy, and this might be the time we finally see it. I think every coach wants their guy, but, you know, look, it, it's, a, it's a position Michigan State's in. Like, if Michigan State was in Michigan's, say, Michigan's position, I could see them wanting the the accurate arm, the safer arm, the the game manager, you know, whatever. But they're not. I mean, they I, I, they were 5-7 and seven a year ago. I think they're over under 7 this year, or close to it, um, maybe even 6 uh, from that perspective, you know, I feel like maybe, you know, Kim's the guy, you, you take a guy who maybe has a little bit more upside, a little bit more, you know, uh, a little bit more explosiveness um, and because you don't have, you don't have anything to lose. And so I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. I want to get into the schedule. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but I also want to get into you mentioned Mel Tucker. We'll get into that. Him specifically, this is year what, four? Yep. And year five as a head coach. And um, obviously one really good year and then a bunch of mediocre or three mediocre years. I guess where, I mean, we know his contract situation. I don't want to get into that. It's been talked about. It's been hashed out. Um, They like it or you don't, um, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But where, I mean, how big a year is this for him? 
Well, yeah, I mean, just to be clear, this is year four. Right. So we had the COVID year, which a lot of people don't count. I, I mean, it, it was kind of, I, I don't really count it, but he does. Um, yeah, and then 21 was a great year, which is it's funny. As much as people loved the 11 wins and Michigan State fans were fired up and should be, uh, it probably ramped up expectations probably higher than they should have been. Or, um, And this is contract aside. But there was still a lot of work to do on the roster. Um, and then again, obviously, last year they shouldn't. Uh, they were better than five and seven and a lot of reasons. But um, this this was always going to take some time to kind of build the depth in this roster. It wasn't going to be, you know, year two and, hey, we're, we're, we're a contender every year. Um, so I think that has to be remembered. And the other thing, too, is now that that country does have that contract, you got to believe the Michigan State isn't going to be in a real big hurry uh, to make a change if things don't get much better. So I don't, I don't think there's any sort of pressure right now from Michigan State. Now fans may get if we see five and seven again, and things don't look a whole lot different, fans will be frustrated, and there will be pressure in that sense. Uh, I just don't think Michigan State isn't the type of school um, that's going. to you know, they'll still have, what, seven years left to be paying, uh, you know, that 95, you know, the rest of that $95 million contract um, and then hire another coach. I, I don't, they, they're going to be conservative in that. It, it will take longer for, you know, the administration and the athletic department there to start putting pressure on Mel Tucker than it will the fans. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it's a big year in terms of proving to the fan base that, yes, this, trust me, this is the right path. We are on the the right track. This process is working. Um, because you, I think you can go five and seven again, but if it looks like, hey, a lot of our young players are developing, they're starting to, to contribute, and are we competitive against the best teams? You know, you got to stop getting run over by Ohio State. Right. I mean, that that's got to stop happening. That's got to be a competitive game in the second half. For the most part, you have been with Michigan. I mean, I've seen one, two of them. Um, it, but but games like that, I think back to the D'Antonio era right at the end, that last year against the best teams, it was never close. So that's when you knew something's something's wrong here. You're going to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. But against those best teams this year, it'll be Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, are you. I wouldn't expect them to win those games, but you want to be competitive and you want to see young players competing. So if we see that, I think people will buy into what Mel Tucker is selling. If we see a lot of the same mistakes, a lot of the same stuff with the game management problems, I can see the fan base getting pretty frustrated if this isn't a bowl eligible team or better. I mean, I I think that's fair, but um, when it comes to the administration, I'm not so sure they'll be as quick to be putting pressure on him is the fans. I mean, they're, they're in a, they've been in a good spot. I know Mel was recently grumbling about NIL money, but in terms of donors and raising money for facilities and all that, they're, they're, they're in a pretty good spot right now. So uh, I, I just think in the bigger picture, they're not going to be quick to jump the gun on, on a change if things aren't going well. Right. Well, you talked about D'Antonio. It was, it was really the last, I guess, two years of his tenure where, Things kind of got a little sloppy, but, you know, three years out, I mean, they beat Michigan, they beat Penn State, they beat Washington State in the bowl game. I mean, they, I mean, so it wasn't like this pro- prolonged, you know, stretch of not being 
held up against the best teams. They they got blown out by Ohio State, his third to last year. But uh, I agree. I mean, look, it's a lot of money. You're not going to just pay cut him a check for you know, tens of millions of dollars like that. And you're going to have a new president too. Um, you got a relatively new athletic director still. So yeah, I, I get that. Um, you know, the NIL kind of convention. I didn't really like those. Um, look, the NIL situation is what it is. It's not fair for, you know, from one school to the next, but it's the law of the land now. I mean, basically in college football and you need to either, you know, deal with it and make the best of it or, or, or sink. And uh, so I didn't like him coming up because when he gave his introductory press conference, he raved about how everything was in place at Michigan state and they had the facilities and they had the support and they had the infrastructure, blah, blah, blah. And then to come out and bitch about the NIL, and it just sounds like a cop-out. I don't like it. I, I wish he wouldn't have done that. Um, it just doesn't sit well. No, I, I can't say I disagree with you. It, it felt a little bit like excuse-making. It's it's like setting up the season for an excuse. That's what right. I, and I don't yeah. like that. It's like go play yeah. the games. You know, deal with it. Yeah, they're yeah. Obviously, the big the big boys are going to have a better position with NIL, but you're still. It's not like you're, you know, Lansing Community College. You're still Michigan yeah. State. You still have a big bank of, uh, of of potential donors and NIL opportunities. I get emails all the time, and you do too about all these NIL opportunities and all these NIL deals going on with Michigan State athletes. I, I just didn't like it. No, and I think it's more – I do think he was talking specifically in recruiting because I think right now there's a lot of MSU athletes that are doing pretty well in it. I mean, there's guys on the basketball team right now that are probably here, like Tyson Walker is probably making more money now than he would have if he went overseas and played. So, you know, it's not – you're right. It's not terrible. I mean, I, it's, if someone's not trying to make it sound like, well, Mich these guys aren't getting anything, that's just wrong. Um the question I guess you got to ask is like, what exactly do you do you want to be? What exactly do you think you are? You know what I mean? Like, if you want to be Ohio State, if you want to be Alabama, if that's your, if you expect to be that, then I guess you have to expect twelve to thirteen to fourteen million dollars of NIL money coming in every year. The problem is I don't know if that exists in the world of Michigan State and their donors and 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 all of that. So how do you make that work? Without it, I mean, there's a there, to me, there's a good place to be that you can be successful without that. There's only a few teams that are Alabama or Georgia, right, or Ohio State that are going to do that. Um, and I'm not sure how realistic it is for most other teams. And look, Mel Tucker, most of his college coaching career, where has it been? Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, the places where you don't have to worry about this, right? You're always going to get the guys you need. We hear a lot about depth. He's come from places where you've had four or five-star guys, two, three spots down the depth chart. It's not the reality in most places. He needs to find a way to make it work here at Michigan State. I'm sure there's fans that would love to say we're Alabama and we have these big boosters and pay for all these guys. I don't think that's reality. You need to find how are you successful here with what, you know, not to say what you have. I mean, you can always strive for more, but they're doing more. Look at the facility they're building in the midst of right now. I mean, they just moved into their new locker rooms. It's, it's not, it's not like there's nothing here. So, can no, he find that? Can he find that sweet spot? I mean, Mark D'Antonio did for a while. He did, and he didn't have to deal with it at all. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's a different, it's a different landscape. That said, there were still shenanigans going on throughout college. Yeah. 
sports well know that so it's not like he wasn't up against it you know he just yeah. turned, he turned the good players into great college performers for an extended period of time and 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 that's the thing you talk about the facilities and and, and you talk about what Michigan State has and that's why when to to just bring this up it's just like shut up and coach like honestly like it's just like just go to work like don't make these excuses especially when it's not going to change you're not like you said you're not going to be alabama you're not going to be ohio state you're not going to be georgia no tens of purposes you're not going to be michigan when it comes to that so what's the point in bringing that up I, that's why i just didn't like it yeah I, it's, and, it's, and i'm not writing off mel tucker like some yeah. people you know that didn't you know that aren't michigan state fans and they want to bitch about him it's still very early if you look at mark d'antonio's resume he had a rough he had some rougher years early on and then the spike happened you know there was the COVID year for mel tucker you know it's only year four that they're going into but it's just like to to just throw out this built-in excuse is just like it just seemed kind of lame to me that's all yeah i didn't I didn't love it. I didn't love it. And I, when we're, we, we talk to him more often and it feels like a lot of times, you know, you mentioned his introductory press conference talking about everything that Michigan state has in place. But then at big 10 media day back in July, he was talking about people telling him not to take the job because Michigan state is eighth in the big 10 and has no facilities. So, so which is it? You know what I mean? Like I get that NIL has, has helped change the landscape. But that none of that had anything to do with NIL. Right. Like you either you either came into a good spot or you didn't. But I, I feel like we keep kind of moving the goalposts. Like, well, don't don't be mad at me. I look at all this stuff I have to make up. But when I got the job, it was everything you need. A again, I'm not I'm not about to shove Mel Tucker out at this point. I'm, I'm not at all. I, I tend to be more patient. I think keep keep giving them time. It feels like overall because I think overall the roster has generally gotten better. I know you've lost a couple guys, but overall it has gotten better. If you give him the time, I think it will work. Now it's no you, got, you, you, you still got to make bowl games, in the, right? Right. In the meantime, you can't. Your bad seasons can't be five and seven, right? right? You, I mean, you can. You look at Dan for how many years he was there. Dan Antonio had one. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I still think he deserves the time. But the other thing too is we got to remember he's still a fairly new head coach. Right, just the way a new player, a young player, is going to make mistakes, he's not going to know everything. I mean, he may make some missteps and say that's something, and eh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, or or maybe I recruited the wrong guy here. It, and, that's where people who, and that's where people who hate yeah. the contract have a point. <laughs> right, you're right, and and we can sit here and guess all. I know. Day. I don't want to talk about the contract. We've talked about it. We've done it. You know, it's it is what it, it is. It is what it is now. Right. Yeah. But I don't. I mean, I, I I am still in the camp of give this guy the time that we. It, it'd be way too early to start jumping the gun on whether you've, you know, whether he can get it done or not. I still think there's enough overall to look at the program, whether he's grumbling about NAL or not, to think it's still headed in the right direction. Maybe not fast enough for some people, but I still think it's. I mean, th look at Jim Harbaugh. Was it three years ago? Everyone wanted him out. Absolutely, like and people Michigan wanted him out. And you know, and to be fair, you know, there's been grumblings about a lack of NIL infrastructure in place yeah. again too. Yeah. Uh, so um, you know, I get it, but it's just like on the eve of the season, and you're gonna bring that up. It's just like, come on, like it just to me felt like a 
you know, woe is us, and we might have another bad year. And here's yeah. maybe, here's maybe why. And I, I just yeah. like it. The only break I'll give him on that is it was an interview with Graham Couch in the Lansing State Journal. It wasn't, my understanding, it wasn't just Mel saying, I want to talk about this. I mean, Graham was asking him about it, so he's answering a question. So it's not like, uh, you know, he didn't like Jim Harbaugh the other day come out in his presser and just, hey, by the way, I declare how players should get paid. Um that felt like a hey, don't pay attention to the fact I'm being suspended or well, that's exactly what that was, of course. Because people are like, oh, he's bringing up a topic. Well, he's brought it up before. It's not exactly new. So no, he wanted to. Anyway, he wanted to change yeah. the subject and also take a dig at the NCAA without taking a dig at the NCAA by talking about his suspension. That's what he yeah. wanted, and and that's fine. You know, it's it's fine. But you know, as a coach of you know Graham, of course, is going to ask. I've done Q and A's. You've done Q and A's with all these. You know, a lot of big people, and you're going to ask every question under the sun and see what the response is. As a coach, you just need to say, "Look, NIL is out there for everybody. Everybody's got the opportunities, and we need to take advantage of that. We got to find a way to compete." That's what you yep. say. You don't say, "Oh, well, we're we're just in such a tough place," and blah blah blah. You just don't say that. That's and that's where I think the fact that he is a still novice head coach. I think that comes in. You know, I, I think a more experienced coach will dismiss that topic as even no matter what they believe, they're going to just say, well, it's, it, you know, everybody has the opportunity. We're going to compete. You know, yeah. that's what you yeah. say. And uh, anyway, whatever uh, this is, uh, I think this is a big year for Mel, not for winning or losing his job, obviously, or keeping his job. He's going to have his job for a while, but I think, uh, you know, I, you, you run the risk of, of, of losing some fans. And, and if you have a bad year this year, and I think that would be disastrous. So, um, anyway, uh, a couple other topics. Uh, they got some players coming back. I wanted to ask you about them. The, obviously, the tunnel gate. I don't know if you remember the tunnel gate. It happened last year at U of M. I don't know if you remember. I uh, heard something about it. Yeah. yeah um, so, anyway, obviously, a bunch of players were suspended. They were suspended to the end of the season. A couple of uh, notable ones are coming back. I'm just curious if you caught up to either one of them and and where their where their thoughts are um, returning to the lineup. Yeah, most yeah most of the guys are are back. Um, in fact, without staring, I think all of them are back. It's um you know the guys that are really are the significant guys in this. Jacoby Winman, the linebacker, is the biggest. Um, I, I really think him not playing the last four games last year, you could almost say that alone kept them from winning a game, maybe two, and from being bowl eligible. Um, you know, I'm not making excuses for anybody. And I'm not rehash the whole incident. But the point is, they've got arguably one of their best players on defense back, an all-conference type player. Uh, and I think that's going to be massive for that defense. I mean, he's he is a difference maker as a linebacker. Obviously, we saw what he can do as a pass rusher last season. So he's he's a pretty integral part of that deal. I mean, you had to you were filling holes at that point last year because you had injuries. You had lost uh, Darius Snow, obviously, in the first week of the season, so he wasn't part of the deal. Um, you were moving guys around that probably, you know, Aaron Brule was still new in the program. So it, it was a tough spot um, to lose a pretty important guy. So he's back, obviously. He he talked with us, you know, I'd say a week ago or so, and, you know, he's saying all the right things. I think he is. He does regret that he got mixed up in that. I, I don't think he actually had a big role in it. He was kind of more. I'm sure they all regret it. You know? Right. And and so, you know, he's 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 apologized and all that. And I think he's looking forward to to kind of, his, you know, this will be his last year. But it, but for the defense, it's massive. And then Angelo Gross, the other guy in there, he's, he's your starting nickel back. Getting him back, I think, is important. But they're going to start looking at some younger guys there, too. 
Um, you know, some other guys in there, Zion Young, a young player who was one of them involved in that, he potentially could be starting at defensive end. I mean, they need more of a pass rush, and that's a guy they think can develop into that. So we'll see if he takes advantage. I mean, not getting those last four games last year hurt him too. So um, th- those are some key names, I think, from that that are back. Brandon Wright, another defensive end who's kind of a spot guy. Uh, in some passing situations. Getting all those guys back is important because they had already had a bunch of injuries last year, and then you threw that on top of it in a defense that wasn't already or wasn't playing well, then had injuries, then had that many guys suspended. It was it was rough, but it was interesting, even in the last few games, that pass defense did get better, even with all those guys out. Um, Might have been hard to notice in the way that things were going since they gave up 280 yards rushing to Indiana, but um, they're, they're – are some reasons to feel optimistic and getting all those guys back I think helps getting some of the transfers they got in there on that front seven uh freshman linebacker like Jordan Hall really highly anticipated guy there so I there's a lot of reason to like that front seven it might be the strength of this team at this point it's funny (laughs) you think about that but um getting those guys back from suspension getting some of the transfers in I think you're gonna see an uptick in the way that defense plays now if the secondary we'll see is there an improvement from guys that are just a little more experienced? I don't know, but they certainly think they can pressure the quarterback more, which, you know, you know how that goes. It all works together. So um, getting those guys back should make a big difference if everyone stays healthy. Right. Well, pressuring the quarterback's fine. Um, and, well, and if you have a secondary, I mean. Well, uh, it all goes together. Rush and cover, they talk about all the time. And there's. Right. And, and look, the secondary hasn't been good. There's right. not letting those guys right. off the hook. You could talk about rushing the quarterback, but if your secondary is not good, you got problems. Right. But the, you know, there are times too when I, you can't cover a guy for five seconds. You know what I mean? So it when, when you're, your secondary, you're hoping your secondary can be okay. And if you pick up the pass rush that much more, now you can make up for a little bit of it. Yeah. It's not going to make it. The, the no fly zone is not back there. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have dark was Denard and Trey Waynes and those guys. Um, but again, it's a place they're recruiting. You're getting some young guys in, but it takes time. So in the meantime, you hope that pass rush is better. You make a team one dimensional, hopefully, and then it makes it a little better and you can kind of make up for some de- deficiencies. But yeah, I mean, the reality, the reality is what it is. And especially the cornerback spot. So if they can get after the quarterback a little more, make it a little bit quicker, make them get rid of it sooner, it can help those guys back there. Right. This is the optimistic view here, you Tony. Come on. So optimistic. I don't know. We took a quick break. I don't know what's in your coffee right now, but it might be some <laughs> strong stuff. But um, well, I didn't say they were going to win the Big Ten. I'm just trying to tell well, you. Yeah, I'm about to do the predictions. Let's see what you say about that. <laughs> All right, let's go over the schedule. Uh, we do this every year. Uh, I think last year I was a little bit closer than you were. <laughs> well, uh, I know I wasn't close at all. I don't remember. Yeah, what was I, I don't remember exactly what it was. I just remember I was way more pessimistic than you, which is pretty much a traditional trait between the two of us. Yeah, uh, that could be really any, any yeah, subject. Right. Um, but I'm pretty sure I was closer than you last year. Uh, but let's let's go through the schedule this year. Starts Friday night, the season opener at home. No alcohol. Central, <laughs> at least not in the stadium. Central Michigan, win, loss. What do you say? I'm going to give them a win. You know, again, I think Central is probably a little better than people think they're going to be because I think they were better than their record last yeah. year some close losses. This so says upset potential, but I, I don't yeah. I don't think so because I think Central's in a lot of the same boat as Michigan State. Yeah. I'm trying to figure some, figure some things out. 
Right. Uh, so I'm going to go with the win there as well. I don't see this being uh, being one of the uh, the fourth upset by Central over Michigan State. I don't think it's going to be a blowout for Michigan State. No, you have to score points for it to be a blowout. Yeah. <laughs> and the defense is much – they have nine starters returning. Yeah. Central's defense from a team that was a top five defense in the MAC last year. So yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's gonna it's gonna put some pressure on Michigan State's offense. See what they can do. And and that's the thing when games are close and the defense is good, right. you know, anything can happen. But I think I think Michigan State probably wins this one. Um, second game of the season, September 9th, uh, back on a Saturday at home against Richmond. Now this one, I, I know that it's FCS, but this one actually worries me a little bit more than Central Michigan. A little more, huh? I mean, Richmond, yeah, is, is a quality FCS team. This isn't a, you know, like one of these two and ten teams coming in. So, um, yeah, again, it's that's why I've talked about before. The schedule is no picnic for Michigan State. Even the games you think are gimmies aren't really gimmies. So, uh, and this is one. But I mean, again, a lot like Central, I think Michigan State will probably be deeper and more talented physically than Richmond. So, it being at home, I'm going to give Michigan State the edge again. Not a blowout, but. You know, like yeah. we said, you keep close and you never know what's going to happen. But I, I'd, I, have I, an easy, I'd have an easier time picking this game if I knew what happened in the first. <laughs> well, sure. That's the that's the beauty of trying to do the whole season. I mean, I don't know what's going to be going on in week eight. You know, Michigan State comes out gangbusters. I mean, I can see Michigan State easily starting 2-0. And then again, I wouldn't lay all my money in the world that they wouldn't start 0-2 either. So um, they should win these two games. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't, but they shouldn't have lost to Indiana last year. But, uh, okay, I'm going to go with the win there, too. I'm not overly confident about either of those first two picks, but let's move on. <laughs> you are a pessimist. All right. Also at home, first four games of the season at home. Third game on Peacock, so get your subscriptions ready. By the way, Peacock is praying that Michigan State starts 2-0 so they can get some more subscribers. <laughs> for this, right. uh, you know, I think I subscribed to Peacock uh, – when they launched the Say by the Bell reboot. <laughs> oh, my God. And I didn't even watch much of it. I only watched a couple episodes. Well, I I'm still paying for it. I don't know. Uh, you get The Office. The Office is on Peacock. Yeah, well, they got some golf now, too. Like, uh, So I'm, I'm sure I probably have a subscription still. But anyway, that was the original reason was Say by the Bell. Um, <laughs> Washington comes to town September 16th. Um, I'm going to go with an L here. I, this, this will be my first L. Yeah, I, I am too. And I'm like, Michigan State's got to be thinking, is Michael Penix ever going to graduate? I'm kidding. Um, Seriously. He's like, he's about to get his ARP charge. And he spent most of his career abusing Michigan State uh, at, at both Indiana and Washington. So um, the the worst part will be if, if Michael Penix lights it up with some dude named Jeremy Bernard, who, of course, was at Michigan State last year as a freshman and transferred to Washington. Um that will probably sting a little bit more. We'll see. But, I, yeah, I don't – Michael Penix has feasted on Michigan State, and I would expect him to do so again. So, yeah, I have I have a loss as well. All right. That's the first alcohol game, right? September it is. 15th. Yes, uh, it is. So – That loss will go over really well. Hopefully they don't charge you too much, but, of course, they will. They will. They're saying – oh, judging by the numbers, it's going to be probably over $10 a beer, judging by what they are projecting to make. It's not the Masters, is it? Uh, no, no. Um, anyway, September 23rd, their fourth home game to start the season against Maryland. Uh, this one, I'm going to go with a win. I'm going to, you I'm know gonna... what? Yes, I, I am too. All right. We're I, all, I don't are, buy I the Maryland. What's that? I can't believe we got a, we're identical so far. This I week. know. 
a lot of people like Maryland, and I get why. They won eight games last year. You know, Tonga Vailoa is, is a dynamic player, but he's also throws to the wrong team a fairly decent amount, and their defense stinks. And I'm not sure how much better that will be. Um, I don't know. I just I have a weird thing about I know Michigan State lost at Maryland last year, but I just have a weird thing that I'm not buying the Maryland. This is more about not buying Maryland than Michigan State. So I'm going to say that I'm going to give Michigan State a win at home. Be three and one. People might be fired up. Who knows? Whew. They'll be ranked then, maybe. No, they won't. No, they'll lose to no, Washington. No. If they beat Washington, they'll be ranked for sure. If they beat Washington, they might be. Yeah. Okay. September 30th, first road game, Iowa and the uh, new rejuvenated offense. <laughs> Iowa City led by Cade McNamara. Uh, I like Iowa here. Uh, I, I just, it's a tough place to play. I think Iowa's decent. I think their offense will be better under Cade. And I just, it's a tough place to play. It is. It is really hard to play there, which you don't really realize until you're there. But when Iowa's defense is still going to be good, which means they're going to be in every game. Um, yeah, with that defense and, and it being in that environment, uh, it's you know don't take the over, but I would I would certainly <laughs> well, take the over. Is the over is ten and a half? <laughs> well, that's true. I guess in that case, maybe. But who knows? Then I'd have to at least think about it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm taking Iowa as well. Here. All right. Okay, so we're three and two at the moment, getting yep. uh, getting dicey for a bowl game. All right, October fourteenth, they're going to Rutgers. Uh, I think uh, Rutgers is Rutgers, and I'm going to go with the win for Michigan. <laughs> it's the home of college football, Tony. Come on, yeah, Piscataway. Yes, no, all, all those legendary games in Piscataway. One of my favorite trips in the Big Ten. Um, I too will take a Michigan State win here. Um, yeah, just. Yeah, Rutgers continues to be. Uh, I mean, Greg Schiano, what his fourth year back and in, in stint number two, and uh, he's not but, sprinkling magic. Hey, the Big Ten got that New York market, so that's all that matters. That's what mattered when they got him. We'll see. That yeah. landscape has changed as well, too. So, all right, October four and two. We got him at four and two. Wow. Right now, uh, but it's gonna get it's gonna get tough here now. <laughs> uh, October twenty first. Um, it's still a TBA, but we're all believing it's going to be a night game uh, in East Lansing against Michigan, which uh, with alcohol um, coming off of last year's Tunnelgate, brilliant idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it wasn't like drunk fans created the problem. I understand, but now there will be drunk fans, and so I don't think they'll be in the tunnel still. But, oh no, they won't. They won't. But um, this game uh, is uh, is interesting. Um, October 21st, Michigan at Michigan State. First time meeting since last year's uh, debacle. Uh, I'm, I I think Michigan is really, really good. Um, I think Michigan is better than last year. Um, so I'm going to say Michigan on this one. Yeah, I think Michigan is a, that's, Michigan is a team that is built right now. It, this is their time to win the whole damn thing. Right. Um, the, the, basically the same team, and now J.J. McCarthy is just another year in. Right. Um to me, I, I find I picked them to win the Big Ten. I don't see them losing a game in the Big Ten. So the, the thing for Michigan State here, again, as we mentioned before, be competitive. Mm-hmm. Have this be a game still in the second half. You know, at East I think it's very possible. Yeah. Um, lose by 10. Do 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 a lot of make make life tough for Michigan. You know, I know Michigan State fans don't want to hear that, but that's I think that's reasonable to expect. And if you do that, you got to feel like you're doing pretty well, so uh, yeah, Michigan. I'm, I'm going to give Michigan the win. I just uh, they're they're just pretty stacked really? right now. Yeah. 
All right. And they're moving on. October 28th, Saturday, will be at Minnesota. Um, it's a toss-up, but I'm going to go with Minnesota on this one. Yeah, it's a toss-up, too, and I see a lot of people going back and forth on this. It usually, back and forth on this and or the, the Maryland game. Right. Um, and I, I think they win to Maryland, but I, I feel the same thing here about Minnesota. I'm not really buying it. They, they've got to replace some people, but it being on the road, they're still going to defend you pretty well. I'm, I'm going to air toward the home team and give Minnesota. Oh, wow. We're still in sync. We're three. I think we might be in sync we're the whole eight, way now that I see this. In. We're eight games in and we're in sync. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, all right, November 4th in East Lansing against Nebraska. Um, I think Michigan State bounces back with a win. I do too. Um, it's always funny. Now, Matt Rule's done a great job of turning programs around, but it takes more than a year. Probably. The funny thing that makes I chuckle at is like, when Scott Frost was hired at Nebraska, it was all, hey, oh, he's really bringing us back, and he's going to be the guy. And, of course, that was a disaster. Now you hear all the same things with Matt Rule. Oh, Matt Rule, eh, give them the benefit of the doubt, whatever. I, maybe. Maybe it works out great for him. I don't think it happens in year one. So give me MSUW here. All right. Next week, November 11th at Columbus against Ohio State. I'm going with, um, let's see, loss. Yeah, I'm going to go a loss, too. Again, don't don't get boat raced. Right. Right, like one court, like three series in, be right. competitive. But yeah, win for Ohio State. All right, so right now we got uh, three, four, five wins, and we got five losses with two games to go. They need one win for a bowl game, and uh, November eighteenth at Indiana. Now this is obviously their best opportunity from our perspective to get to that sixth win, and it's at Indiana. There's a lot of pressure on the coach at Indiana. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Indiana. And I think this is where we probably break. We are going to break because Indiana's a mess. It's 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 easy to think of last year when Michigan State lost that game. That was their only that was the only loss or the only win for Indiana in that stretch. And Michigan State had to absolutely gift wrap it for them, which they did, as we all recall. So I think this year it's flipped. Michigan State understands that. This is the game they have to win to get in a bowl game. So um, Indiana's not very good. I'll, I'll take the Spartans to win on the road. Okay. That's where we break. Yep. And then we go November 24th of the season finale at Ford Field, which, by the way, there's a lot of controversy. A lot of fans don't like this. I freaking love it. <laughs> I, first of all, you got you got the Lions the day before. Then you got at Ford Field. Then you got Penn State, Michigan State. And then you got two days of high school football state championships at Ford Field. I think it's phenomenal for the city of Detroit. It's a one-off. Why can't people just enjoy something, you know, rather than bitch about everything? You know, the students are away from campus anyway, you know, for yeah. holidays. So why not, you know? I think Trust it's me, I've been to a lot of season finales in that stadium with a pretty empty stadium. So oh, it's a holiday weekend. I mean, and the kids are gone. And so – yeah. So I don't know. There's okay. There's about ten thousand people out there that have a gripe. That's about it. And uh, and there's a lot of Michigan State fans in the Detroit area. Yeah. I think it's great. Anyway, so Penn State visits Michigan State. They're going to play at Ford Field, and Michigan State, according to me, needs to win this game to make a bowl game. And guess what? They do not. They're going to lose. Um, <laughs> So I've got Michigan State at three, four, five, six. I got them at five and seven, losing their last three games. You, you. I also think they're going to lose this game, but again, I, I already had their sixth win. Yeah, I mean, Penn State to me is up. the Penn State's the clear number three behind Michigan and Ohio State. 
might even be able to beat one of those teams. So barring some big injuries or something over there, they're just going to be better. So, uh, yeah, I got a loss, so six and six. They'll probably I don't even remember if the bowl affiliations have changed this year. So who the hell knows what it would be? Music City Bowl or something like that? I don't know. I don't think you're the quick lane bowl someday. Someday. Nah, no. Someday. If you know how when they got the pinstripe a couple of, few years ago, it was like they were in the mix with other teams and teams that beat them. But it's about it's about the draw, who comes to who fills the seats. Michigan State's always drawing more people than the Indianas and even Maryland's or whoever's of the world. So It'd be a long shot for them to end up in Detroit, is all I'm saying. Yeah, quick lane bowl back to that. back in Ford Field, that would be, huh? Right, right. It'd be like, <laughs> uh, I'd be at the MAC almost, you know, winning the MAC, yeah. playing the, the motors to the quick lane bowl. All right, so you got them at six and six, making a crappy bowl game. I got them at five and seven, not making a bowl game. Um, I can see them going six and six. Obviously, the Indiana one, I take a flyer on there. And by the way, you know, depending on Penn State, and Penn State has had some, you know, letdowns to say the least over the years under James Franklin. Um, depending on how things shake out for Michigan State, depending on how they look, if they stay healthy, I'm not ruling that one out. Um, yeah, field, I'm not ruling that one out. Obviously, the Maryland game, the Indiana game, and for me, the Penn State game, those are three question marks. I think I'm pretty well set on the rest, but well, you're right. I mean, there's like we said, we talked about all the questions, the uncertainty. If all those play out in a positive manner, right. if you're progressing like you hoped and you're fairly healthy, I, I wouldn't put eight wins past this. I think team. eight. I think eight wins yeah. would be about my ceiling. Yeah. Uh, anything more than that would. I mean, eight wins would be a pleasant surprise. I think for Michigan State fans, anything more than that, I think, would be totally unexpected. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, you, you look at the Washington game. Washington's got to fly this way now, uh, you know, and so we'll see yeah. how that works out. Um, you know, travel is tough. So uh, we'll see. I, yeah, I agree. I think eight wins would be right about where I'd see the ceiling. I think four wins would be the, the floor if things go terribly. I, I don't see him, you know, I don't see a Bobby Williams type season here. Um, so I think four, I think four to eight, that's where I'm putting them. And so I got them five and seven, you got them six and six. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, yep. night, seven o'clock central Michigan. That's the opener. Michigan state football season is back. Michigan opens with, uh, one of the Carolinas, um, some yeah, East, East I think, right. East. That's yeah. also a streaming game, right? Is that streaming? Is that I think it is. So get your subscriptions. That's the way of the world. That's the way we're going. Uh, get your subscription. So, Andrew Leek's got all your coverage for Michigan this season. Matt's got your coverage for Michigan State. Uh, we got Neo and Wojo chiming in. We'll have college football shows. We'll have predictions. We'll have Big Ten power rankings. We'll have it all. DetroitNews.com. Buy a subscription. I think it's a dollar for six months. I know it's a lot. Can't afford it. DM me. I'll buy you a subscription. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, go to DetroitNews.com for all our college football coverage. We'll be back with the green room to assess the Central Michigan game and look ahead to the Richmond game. And for now, Tony Paul, Matt Charbonneau, that's it for the Green Room Podcast. Matt, enjoy the game. Tony. See you next time. All week. right. See ya.